But we, we talked about this and, and uh, we said that uh, the purpose of our series is, number one, scriptural warnings. We gave you that. We're defining doctrine and its importance. What constitutes sound doctrine? What constitutes false doctrine? What should the believer's attitude be towards sound doctrine, false doctrine, and false teachers? And then finally, what are the tenets of faith of Harvest Church? What does Harvest Church believe? And we're going to get into the nitty-gritty. What do we believe? We, we believe in being born again. We believe in being filled with the Spirit and speaking in other tongues. And if that's new to you, just don't get your undies in a bundle. We'll get there. We're going to talk about the gifts of the Spirit. Amen. Different things. Now, I, w- I want to open today and g- give you an introduction. We have a, a little guest speaker here in a little bit. And I want to read to you from Rick Renner's book. Kathy got this, and it's How to Keep Your Head on Straight in a World Gone Crazy. This is not a book you read at bedtime. Because it's, it's, there's a lot of meat, but oh my, it's, it's a fine book. And this is in one of the chapters. Let me just go ahead. Give me the liberty to, to read some of this as a way of introduction. He says, you, you and I are living in strange times. We're actually living at the very end of the age. And as a result, we're going to see and experience things that no other generation has ever witnessed I'll tell you what, you don't get in fear. I'll tell you what, we're a blessed people. What's coming is going to blow your mind. I believe it. Some things will be so far-fetched and bizarre that as rational thinking people, we will find it incomprehensible. Indeed, to many of us, it, it already seems that common sense has been thrown to the wind on various fronts, replaced with the rational beliefs that are cheered on by a morally delinquent culture. Wow, is that today? But as those born to live in this hour, amen, that's me, that's you, we must simply accept it as fact. You and I will be witnesses to strange developments as we near the end of this last day's time frame. The scriptures long ago foretold that the last days would be strange. But because you and I were born in this time, we will inevitably be thrust into the face of some of the weird that goes along with living in the end times territory. The challenge before us as God's people is to keep the lunacy outside the church and our families. Refusing to allow our thinking to be muddied by the spirit of this age, which is the Antichrist spirit. We must dig our heels into this, into the long established truths of scripture and determine to keep our heads on straight in a world that seems to have gone crazy. This book will show you how to do it. Approximately 2,000 years ago, the scriptures prophesied of this end time delusion. Now the spirit Expressly speaks that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Society today seems to be like a ship lost at sea that is drifting farther and farther off course. Over the passage of seafaring history, countless ships have been lost at sea because no course correction was put into place. 
to keep to get them back on track when they begin to lose their bearings. Many Christian leaders believe that lost at sea describes exactly where the world is right now. As a people of faith, we want to present the belief that God has good things in store for us and for mankind. However, we can't ignore the evidence that a moral anchor has been lost and the ship is veering way off course. There is no doubt that we are witnessing a society gone morally adrift at the end of the age, lured into depths of degeneracy and depravity over this past century that have not been since the days when paganism ruled the earth. In fact, we may be witnesses to a pandemic of reprobate thinking on a level that no generation of any epoch in history has witnessed before. As believers, it's so important for us to recognize the dangerous reefs that lie hidden from common view and threaten to shipwreck this last day society, causing it to sink to depths of evil our minds don't want to accept that man could ever go again. Society is dangerously adrift in a sea of deception and moral confusion, and its present course, unaltered, will ultimately lead to destruction. Amen? I will never forget... I was six or seven years old. My sister had just gotten married, and her husband was stationed in Pensacola, Florida. He was in the Navy. I lived in Fairbury, Nebraska. And so my mom and dad decided we need to go check on him and see him, and it was a vacation. Fairbury to Pensacola, Nebraska. What did I say? Oh, I'm telling you today, I... I haven't been, this is different today. The anointing is strong. So you better be listening. I believe your ears are anointed. I lived in Fairbury, Nebraska. We drove all the way to Pensacola, Florida. In those days, no seat belts, and I just stood in the middle like this, up, standing between my parents. A thousand miles is about what it was, a thousand miles from Fairbury, Nebraska to Pensacola, Florida. We got down to Mobile, Alabama. I can remember, because this was new territory, and I can remember my dad, and I'm sure I take after my father because he could be a little uptight once in a while. What would you say? Nervous, gervous. And dad, I can remember pulling into this gas station. And this gentleman comes out of the gas station in Mobile, Alabama. And, and my dad says, do you know how far it is to Pensacola? Now, I, I didn't understand. Well, I recognized, but I smelled something. This man was drunk. And he looked at my dad and he said, it's about a thousand miles from Mobile, Alabama to Pensacola, Florida. Now, how'd you look it up? Do you remember? Hold this. Because I want to be correct. If I, if I wrote it down. Okay, thank you. It's 58 miles. <laughs> now, if that had been me today, Born again, spirit-filled, I still would have been a little taken back. 
drive a thousand miles to find out you got to go another thousand miles. Fortunately, we we got there. Amen. Look in uh, Psalm twenty-five. Psalm twenty-five. Verse 4, Psalm 25, verse 4, David says this, Show me your ways, O Lord, teach me your paths, lead me in your truth, and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation, and on you I wait all the day. Look at verse 10. All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth to such as keep his covenant and his testimonies. Now, go ahead. Would you put that up, please? I want you to understand we need God's ways. Say God's ways. Say God's paths. God's truth. We need his ways, his paths, and his truth in this hour. Now, here's the central truth today. I want you to get this. That's why I had him put it up on the screen. Sound doctrine and a love of the what? Truth is vital for the believer to stay on course spiritually. A lack of what? A lack of discipline in applying God's word to your life will only result in opening a door to deception. Okay, you can take that down. Thank you. Did you get that? Now. I'm going to have Rich come, and I want him, I asked him to do this, bless his heart, and I'm glad he's here today, he's not in the plane flying somewhere. He's going to kind of give you an, uh, an example of this. Well, the offering for the special speaker, don't worry about it, just hang on to your money, because this ain't that great. <laughs> but he asked me, uh, what would it be like if you were off course for one degree? And I'm like, well, I guess, I don't know a little bit. So I actually looked it up, and it's actually, if you're off one degree and you flew for 60 nautical miles, you're going to be off one mile, which, well, that ain't that bad. So from here to Sioux City, basically, you're going to miss the airport by a mile. You'll still find it. Well, in bigger terms, if you want to put that up on the screen, if you flew from JFK, which is New York, to LAX, you can see the, the magenta line or the purple line, that's running into LAX. Now, the green line is one degree off, so that puts you into Santa Barbara, which puts you a little bit north of course, and it's actually 77 miles off course. So just for example of that, so that's what my example is of that. Um, our lives are a lot like flying that plane, I think, or my life is. It's a, a lot of where are you headed? Are you on course? Are you going to be off course? Where's your destination? Is it going to be LAX or eternal life? What are you looking for? Um, when you're flying at, say, a high altitude of, I don't know, 30,000 feet or something like that, that one degree, you're not going to see it. It's hard to see where that one degree can be. So you have a, you know, thank God for a great autopilot. I don't have to do anything. I just sit there and take a nap. I don't. I don't. Not that hard. I, they keep me up. Julie, Julie's sitting there, hey, wake up, we're almost there. <laughs> no, so, um, in a, so you have to, you know, before we had autopilot, you had to really carefully navigate everything, you had to draw everything out on a map, and you had to figure in wind correction angles, and 
how long is it going to take to get from point A to point B? And, and you'd sit there and navigate by basically looking at different points. Um, it makes it a lot e easier now in life with autopilot and the magenta lines, and you just follow the line. Um, but sometimes life, it can be hard to see that final destination of where you're going when you're that high. Um, with all the distractions in life, you know, with divorces, uh, loss of a family member, maybe a loss of a job, uh, COVID-19. Um, you know, what, what's, what's keeping you on course? Um, when, when I'm flying and you do get off course, a lot of times you have ATC or air traffic controllers. They'll sit there and say, hey, uh, you need to deviate 10 degrees for weather or 20 degrees to the right for maybe possibly some traffic or whatever it might be. Um, so, that, you know, like I said, that, and, but they'll, at the end, they always get you back on course where you need to be. They don't always let you just keep going. Um, an iPad always works really handy, too. You always look at that. Um, in life, sometimes, you know, when you're off course, what do you look for? Who do you look for? Who's the influential, influential person in your life? Me, it's my wife. She's very good at helping me keep on course. Or I look at pastor. He's very good to say, hey, you know, buckle up or look at where you need to go. Um, good friends. Around here, I have some great friends that will always help you out. No matter what, there, I don't think there's a person in here, if you needed help, you could call and they'd help you out in a minute. Um, so, and that keeps me on course. And also, you always have a Bible. The Bible will help you keep you on course. So, so there's my big special speech. And <laughs> um, you know, I'm not one to just stand up here and talk forever. I'm not very good at that, so... Now, think one thing that you need to understand is if you want to stay on course spiritually, I'm going to give you a word. You might not like the word. It's called discipline. And we're all at different stages in our life. We're different ages, different generations. But it all comes down to how disciplined are you? Amen? Now, I said this, a lack of discipline in applying God's truth to your life will only cause your life to get off course and open you up to deception. Do you realize how many Christians are deceived right now? I want that to sink in. Well-meaning, even, I'm talking about born-again Christians. And you can be spirit-filled Christians, and you can still get off course. Have you noticed there's some certain leaders in Washington that are off course? Now, I we had the pleasure, uh, Rich and Julie flew us down to uh, Texas, and we went to uh, a meeting. And I hadn't been in a plane for a while, and I've been in, I've flown commercially, and and but I was a little upset with Rich because we got there. 
and, and, and he says, we're ready to go. And all he did was go kick the tire and say, we're okay. We climbed the steps and got in the plane. No, I'm just kidding. He's going, my God, you better clarify that. He did more than kick the tire. He never did kick the tire, but he, I'm sure he checked it. Do you have a list that you go through? Before you take a client up in the sky, do you have something you go through every time? Okay. Make sure everything's, make sure there's fuel. <laughs> I got in the truck today and it's totally empty. I'm on fumes. I know I need more discipline. No, I just need more money from the wife weekly. So what I need, then I can buy gas. Rich does more than just kick the tires. He exercises diligence and discipline for each flight. You and I are going to have to, in these days in which we're living right now, and these are strange, weird times. Can I be blunt? I know I've never been blunt in 30 years. Today I'm going to be blunt. If you don't discipline your life spiritually, emotionally, financially, you're going to be off course. And you're going to suffer shipwreck. Amen? I just use use example, and I pick on, you know, Zach and Kayla for their business. They're good business people. That's why I go there and eat. I'd eat there more. But it's, you know, I can't survive on hamburgers and fries. And, and I'm sorry, I, it's weird. I go in there, I eat the same thing. I know that's, but I love their hamburgers and their fries and their ice cream and everything. But, you know, he takes care of his business. It's clean. His employees greet me. They, they say thank you when I walk out the door. That's discipline and diligence. And I'm telling you, I don't care if you're a business owner, a taxidermist, an antique dealer, a coach, a daycare gal, a truck driver. Listen, I'm retired now. I don't need discipline and diligence. Amen? Well, I'm sorry. You're going to suffer the consequences. Say, I love discipline. discipline. (laughs) You and I need to discipline spirit, soul, and body. Dr. Hagen, when I went to Bible school, he said this. He said, most Christians feed their bodies three warm meals a day. And their spirit, one cold snack a week. I never forgot that. What are you feeding your spirit? What are you thinking about? Look at Romans 12. I told Rich, keep it short. He did. Bless his heart. You did good. I'm proud of you. Romans chapter 12.
Romans chapter 12, look at verse 1. Say, spirit, soul, body. What are you? Spirit, what's your soul made up of? Mind, will, and emotions. What's that leave then? You're a threefold being. You're created in the likeness of God. What is God? God is a spirit being. We are spirit beings. If you take my spirit out, he'd look much younger and have more hair. But your spirit being is would look very much like your physical hands, arms, feet, legs. But it's spirit. What do you think this war is taking place in what realm? spiritual realm. Romans 12, this is what I want you to see. We're talking about discipline. I don't want your life to get off track. He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you, say you, present your bodies. Now, I'm going to ask you something. So those of you who've heard me talk about this, who is you? (laughs) Me, you're right. Who is you, Timothy? Your spirit man. Paul says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you, say you, is my spirit man. Present your, what? Bodies, a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be what? Transformed by the what? renewing of your what part? Mind, that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, perfect will of God. And God's will is good, and it is acceptable, and it is perfect. And we all want our lives to stay there, don't we? But it's going to require you and I to discipline ourselves. Renewing your mind daily to God's word, which is truth, will help you discover his will for your life. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. Familiar passage of scripture. The apostle Paul again says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not what? carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of what? Strongholds, casting down arguments or imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing some, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. It's important when we're talking about disciplining disciplining our flesh, our mind, will, and our emotions, our, our physical body. You have to do that. I can't do it for you. And the thing that that stronghold, what's a stronghold? In my Bible, in the Greek, it defines it this way. He says, this verse contains the only use of this noun, stronghold, in the New Testament. 
For the Apostle Paul to use such a rare word meant that it was the only term that accurately conveyed his idea to his readers in the church at Corneth. He was dead serious about getting across that every prideful idea that emerged and stood in opposition to the true knowledge of God should be viewed as if it were a fortress in warfare that needed to be destroyed. Unfortunately, in this ever-present battle for the mind's of believers. Strongholds are often not easy to spot and demolish. Thus, the Christian must ever be on the lookout for subtle footholds that the devil uses as a basis of operations toward constructing spiritual strongholds. That's why the Bible in Ephesians, it says, give no what? Ground. Give no place to the devil. And if you and I in this hour Don't discipline our thought life. We're going to get off course. We're going to open ourselves up to hearing things that could lead us astray. Amen. Carly, can I pick on you? She's in Lincoln now. She's at school. What school do you go to? College of Hair Design. Now, I don't. You don't need to answer or give me a lot of details, but. You know, we pray for you, and that that guy you know here in church, we pray for you. I can't remember his name. When you went to Lincoln, I mean, it's different, isn't it, leaving Norfolk to Lincoln? Did you discover some things were different? Did you discover some of your fellow people that you worked with were different? But you stayed on course, haven't you? You haven't veered over here. You haven't veered over there. She's living with her aunt, which is great. That's that, Yeah, I said amen to that when I found that out. But And I asked her this, this morning because I haven't seen her for a while. How's things going? They're going all right. But see, if you discipline yourself, and bless her heart, she's come with her, her family to church for years. She hears things. She knows right. She knows wrong. And, and the thing is, if you, you, if you entertain one wrong thought, it can get you off. And if you don't recognize that, that one wrong thought, it'll create a stronghold. And right now, this is what can happen, especially in the hour that we're living. And we're all human beings, and I've never stood before you and said, said I didn't have issues. Get some tissues. One of the things that I've dealt with, and you've heard me talk about, is fear. And it's a stronghold. And if you don't discipline your thought life, you'll entertain a spirit of Fear and by the, what did he, Paul said Timothy? I've not God's not given you a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and a sound disciplined mind. And so, one of the things that you have to to learn, you have to discipline your thought life. And if you're not putting the word in and meditating on the answer and you're listening to the problem instead of the solution, you're going to get off track. But can you get back on track? Sure you can. It's just start thinking right again. 
I don't watch the news anymore. In fact, I don't even watch Fox unless it's Hannity. Because if you're listening to the wrong voices, and the Bible says there's many voices out there, but this is the only voice you need to listen to. And listen to the voices that are speaking His Word. You'll stay on track and you won't get off course. Now, if you get off course, can you make a course correction? Have you ever, all the years you've flown, have you ever gotten off course? Maybe not. And they let you know that? What do you do? Oh, my God, Julie, you should have woke me up. That was my story to him. (laughs) That's why I love you, Rich, your sense of humor. We got to stay on on track. Amen. Look at 1 Corinthians. I'm almost done. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Jesus, take the will. We came from Kearney at 4 o'clock yesterday afternoon, and I had somebody who was going too slow in front of me, and that doesn't go for me. So I put the pedal to the metal and passed him and lost control of the truck. And, it, and I went, oh, time to change my shorts. <laughs> and I, she's so stoic. She's just sitting there like this. And when I got home, I said, did that, did you, were you a little upset about that? And she said, I can't believe you did that and got us back. Well, it wasn't me. Jesus took the will. <laughs> so we slowed down, and there must have been 15 cars in the ditch. And there are people sitting in them. <laughs> so it just happened. <sighs> Jesus, take the will. Amen. First Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. Here again, the Apostle Paul says, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now, they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore, now that's important. Therefore, I run this way, not with uncertainty. Thus, I fight not as one who beats the air, but I what? Discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I preach to others, I myself should become disqualified. And he, he says, you know, I discipline, or, or one translation says, I keep my body under. And in the Greek, it means this, to keep under, literally means to give a black eye. To give a black eye. You know, like a boxer. I buffet my body, I handle it roughly, I discipline it by hardship. UFC, do you like UFC? I know you do. How do those guys train? They train hard. They run up mountains and they just, unbelievable. And they have to train that way if they want to win. If you don't discipline in the days ahead, your life, if you and I don't ask ourselves, Holy Spirit, what areas of my life do I need to discipline more? You're going to lose. I don't want to lose. I don't want you or your family to lose. I don't want you and your family to get off course. That's why we need proper 
doctrine. Amen. I got more, but I'll quit. Did you say good because I quit or just this was good? I'll clarify. (laughs) I'll tell you what. I'm going to tell you something. Let's stand up. God in the days ahead is pouring out his spirit, especially on the remnant, his remnant church. This is a remnant church. I'm going to tell you something. I talked about strange things. You're going to see some things in the days ahead. I'm reading um, Maria Woodworth Edder. I'm almost done with it. It's this thick about it was her diary. And it's full of unbelievable miracles. And I know the Spirit of God had me read it because he's... But, you know, I read it in a miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. And I'm saying, God, where are you? (laughs) The God of miracles. Well, you just get ready. We're going to see it. And I want you to know this, and I'm going to end with this statement. Miracles are wonderful and they're exciting. But the greatest miracle is when a man or a woman or a child gives their heart to Jesus Christ. And that is the emphasis in the days ahead. Is people being born again into the kingdom of God. That is the greatest miracle. And if we'll we'll pursue that, you're going to see other miracles as a result. Father, I bless this body of believers today. And I declare and decree, they will not get off course. They'll stay on course spiritually, mentally, physically. Lord, everyone in this room today, we can discipline our flesh and our mind, will, and emotions better. So, Holy Spirit, I thank you for revealing to us individually, areas that we need to discipline our lives so we won't get off course. Oh, Holy Spirit, those who are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. I declare the people of Harvest Church are not led by their emotions or how they feel, but they're led by the Spirit of God day after day. So, Lord, Order our steps in the days ahead in accordance to your word. And let not iniquity have dominion over us. I call these people blessed spiritually, physically, financially. I call their families healed and whole. I declare and decree restoration and healing. The prodigals must come home. In Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for your goodness and mercy upon us. We love you, Father. And we sang it to you today. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Holy Spirit. Turn our hearts in your way, your will, your word. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Now, before we dismiss, is there anyone you need prayer for your physical body? 
Um, okay, and then I want one announcement. Rich will be giving uh, free lessons and fr- free trips today if you want a trip. <laughs> he just would ask that if you'd be kind enough to kick the tire before you get on, he'd appreciate that. Amen. God bless you. Have a good week.